Hey Lifehouse, my name is Brock, I'm part of the team here. We are currently going through our new series, Light and Love, where we look into the scriptures of John. We're so glad you're joining us. We hope you enjoy the message from Pastor Josh and the team. Yes, fantastic. Yeah, so can I encourage you? Uh, yeah, we've packed shoeboxes the last couple of years and sent them off. They do make such a big difference uh, to those that are less fortunate that might not receive Christmas presents if it wasn't for people like you that um, invest and uh, give uh, in a way like that. So, um, yeah, there's shoeboxes out there. There's information out there about what to put in and what not to put in. Uh, Walter probably needs to read that because you shouldn't put food in there, like he said. Um, so, yeah, everything is available out there. So uh, go and check it out if you're um, interested in that. All right, on to our message for today. So I don't know about you, but uh, again, because I have dyslexia, I kind of try to study the English language a little bit to try and make sense out of it, but it kind of doesn't really always make sense. Anyone else experience that, that the English language is a bit confusing at different times? And one of the things that is confusing to me is the fact that some words don't actually make sense on their own. They have to go together with other words. Let me give you an example of what I mean. So you can be overwhelmed, and maybe you're overwhelmed coming in here today with the animals and the different things in the car park. And, uh, you know, you might have been overwhelmed by the number of people if you're a visitor or different things like that. So you can be, you know, you expected. Uh, you can be underwhelmed. Maybe, you know, you expected someone more entertaining, more handsome to, you know, deliver the message this morning and you're feeling a bit underwhelmed. But there's one thing that you can't be and that's whelmed. We never just have that as just a word. It doesn't make sense on its own. What about prim and proper? You can do something in a proper manner, but you can't do something prim, proper, or the term chit-chat. You can have a chat. You can have a chit-chat, but you can't just have a chit I have to say that very carefully for the people listening on the podcast. Chit. You can't just... Uh, there's no chit. <laughs> just by itself. Or what about nitty-gritty? Have you heard of that? Like nitty... You know, we need to get down to the nitty-gritty of things. We need to work out, take the time, you know. But we can't just... Ha I mean, things can be gritty, but they can't just be nitty. Can they? kind of doesn't make sense. Like, ah, like, let's work out the nitty of how that works. Doesn't, doesn't make sense, does it? My personal favourite, hanky-panky. <laughs> hanky-panky, you know. I mean, this is some marriage advice for the husbands in the room, you know. Like, if your wife is busy like mine, you know, she's waking up at 5am to help, you know, feed and water the, the puppies and so, you know, she, at the end of the day she's feeling tired and she's feeling run down and so if I'm kind of being sensitive and I'm kind of saying, you know, like I understand that, you know, we don't have time, you don't have the energy for the full hanky-panky tonight <laughs> but can we just have the panky? 
I think I'm going to get slapped. You're going to get slapped. So like, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense, some of these words, when we separate them out, when we do things differently. And I think John's writing is actually saying the same thing, that light and love actually go together. They don't make sense apart from each other. That faith and works go together. They don't make sense apart from each other. You see, the Greeks had this idea um, and it invaded the church back then and it still kind of invades our thinking a bit now. And John is actually trying to combat some of that with his writings, the way that he's speaking. And what we tend to do, what they tended to do back then, is we separate the, the physical from the spiritual, the, the temporal from the eternal, the, the sacred from the secular. There's different aspects of our lives. We want to keep our friends separate from our family. We want to keep these friends separate from those friends. We want to keep our work separate from our home. We want to keep our sins separated from our church time. We want to keep our inner thoughts, feelings and emotions separate from our external image that we try to portray to the world around us. And the intent is good because, of course, we're not made to carry sin. We're not made to carry guilt and shame, that we need it to be separated from us. It was never meant to, to dwell in us. It was never meant to be in us. We were never meant to wear that, to, to carry it. And so we need to be separated somehow from our sin, from this guilt and shame that we feel but when we try to separate that, all we end up doing is fracturing our soul. And so only Jesus can come and separate us from our sin by bringing together all of those broken, separated pieces by his light and his love. So we're going to have a look at three different things that we can separate, that John encourages us to bring back together through his light and love in Christ. So we're going to look at the divine and the human, the sacred and the secular, and word and deed. And so the first is that idea of this sort of divine and human, that, that Jesus doesn't make sense unless we actually see him as both divine and human. The second is that our life doesn't make sense if we try to separate our body from our spirit or our spiritual time from our me time. And then lastly, our worship, our gathering together doesn't make sense if we try to separate our faith from our works or word from deed. And so through the writings of John, we are encouraged to allow all of these broken, separated pieces to come back together. So let's see how he encourages us to do that and the difference that it makes. So first of all, 
John starts and human looking at Christ himself. John starts his gospel in a very weird way. Some other gospels start with the, with the Christmas story, and you know, obviously, you know, Walter is already talking about things of of Christmas, things that are that are that are coming up, and we kind of like those traditional Christmas stories about a baby in a manger and a star and shepherds and all of that stuff. But when John sits down to write the start of Jesus' life and ministry, he writes it in a very different way. This is how. He says it, John 1, verse 1. says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And we were talking in college with um, some of our Bible college students. We're going through the Gospels, and we're talking about the best kind of uh, gospel to give to, to new Christians, people that are new on the journey, because kind of everyone says, like, start with John. But I kind of said, John's really hard. John's actually really deep. Like, John, what? Like, I said to them, like, I think that I could preach for like 20 hours on this passage of scripture. And they said, please don't. Um, but I said, even though I feel like I could preach for that long, I, I don't feel like I really fully understand it. I don't really know exactly what it's trying to say. Like, I'm a scientist and so I kind of think scientifically. I try to analyze things and do different things. And to me, the start of John kind of sounds a bit poetic. And poetry is nice, it's beautiful, but sometimes I kind of feel, and maybe you're like me, that Poetry is kind of not important. But then as I do study those scriptures and I see that the Jehovah's Witnesses, when they study the scriptures and they really study the scriptures, the scriptures are kind of everything to them. But the fact that even though they try to be very scientific, very diligent with their study of the scriptures... They actually break this core fundamental belief to change this passage of Scripture. Because to them, this passage of Scripture so clearly indicates that there is no separation, talking about this idea of separated things, that there is no separation between Jesus and God. That somehow these few verses are so powerful, so strong in saying that Jesus is God that they decided to alter it because they wanted to separate Jesus from his divinity. They want to say that he was the first created being 
rather than the creator himself. But sometimes do we want to do the same thing? Do we try to separate Jesus' divinity from his humanity? So there must be something important about these passages of Scripture. That there is something in the very nature of Jesus, not just speaking a word, but actually being the word, as John says. That there's something about God not just bringing the light, but actually being the light. And even in John's further writings, in 1 John 4, he states not just that God is loving, it's not just a choice that he made. He didn't just get 4,000 years into some kind of failed plan and then come up with this idea of Jesus to show love to the world that then makes everything right. No, in 1 John 4 verse 8, it's a very short verse. It's just, there's just three words that it says there, but these three words are so powerful and can change and impact our entire lives. It says, God is love. Not that God is loving, but that God is love. You can't separate God from his love. So why does this inseparateness of light and love of God in Jesus matter to us today? Well, if I'm being honest and you're being honest, there's probably parts of our life that we like to keep in the dark, that we like to invite the dark in because... You, like me, probably have thoughts, feelings and emotions that you don't want anyone to see. You don't want anyone to know the the deep thoughts that, that you have. You don't want anyone to know the addictions that you have, the control issues that you have, the different things that are going on inside your heart and inside your mind. And so we like to keep those things in the dark. Because we think that if we can just keep those things in the dark, then we will be okay. Because one of the things that we fear the most is rejection. And if someone saw everything, if what I think and what I feel are my addictions and everything that I do in the dark, if that actually came out into the light, then the only possible solution is rejection. The only possible outcome of all those things that I've kept in the dark being brought out into the light is that I won't be okay, that we won't be okay. Or so we think. But those things that we do actually keep in the dark, it's like a mold on our soul, that when you put those things into the dark, you may feel as though 
you've hidden it from those closest to you. You may have even been able to feel as though you've hidden those things from yourself, that you no longer need to think or feel about those things. But we all know all too painfully well that just like mold on our soul, those things still grow. The dark doesn't make those things disappear. It actually causes them to grow and get worse and our lives become dominated by what we try to hide in the dark. So then Jesus comes and says that he is the light. But somehow this light does not expose us Somehow this holy and righteous God who hates sin and then sheds light on our sin, our deepest, darkest fears, does not expose us through the light, but actually covers us with his love through the light. The fact that Jesus can't be separated, that he is human and divine, I don't fully understand with my mind. But I need it for my soul so that I don't invite the darkness in. I don't fear the light, but I can step into the light because the light always comes with love. It's unseparated. If God is unseparated from his love, if God is love, if he was in existence before the foundation of the world, before anything was made, if he was not just loving, if love wasn't just a decision that he made, it wasn't just something that he could put on, then it's not something that he can take off. It means that when he comes with light he also has to come with love because it's the essence of who he is that if we don't see Jesus as being around before time we began and we try to separate those things and there was a time when God was not love because conditions on it I love like that. I put conditions on love when things aren't going my way, when people aren't meeting my expectations. I withhold my love. But true love, God's love, can't have any conditions. It's the definition of love and he is the definition of what love is true love can say no and not have it affect your relationship and God is love and he cannot be separated from his love so even though when we decided to say no and we broke our relationship with God it did not he it could not break his relationship with us. 
So it goes on in verse 14 to say this. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Now that word dwell obviously means that it can't be separated. If something dwells within you, it can't be separated from you. But in the original, this word that's translated as dwelled is actually more the word tabernacled, to pitch a tent is what it actually means. And so I've got a picture here of, uh, if we can have that picture up. This was the tabernacle. This was the tent. It's also called the tent of meeting. And when the Israelites went out into the wilderness, into the desert, the very presence of God, the very essence of God was to come and dwell and be in this tent of meeting inside the camp. But the interesting thing is, is that there was, it wasn't just a design, it wasn't just a setup for how that tent should look and the different things, but also the way that the camp should be set up. That the tent was actually in the middle of the camp, that all of these unholy, complaining, unrighteous people were to dwell around this holy tent. That that's the way that God wanted it. It was called a tent of meeting, that even though he was holy, he was righteous, and so there was kind of this separation between, you know, a holy, righteous God and his people, it was also him kind of saying, it's a, it's a tent. This is not a permanent structure. This is not a, this is not a wall. I'm not putting up a wall. It's a, it's a tent. And I want you to be all around me. I want you to be with me. I want us to be unseparated. I don't want to be separated from you. And so when John comes in and he says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and tabernacled among us and set up his tent among us. It is speaking about Jesus and who he is and what he has done. That Jesus put on a tent, put on a skin suit. And he pitched that tent among us, that he becomes the place of meeting between us and God. So once we agree with John that, his, that Jesus' humanity and his divinity is inseparable, the next thing that he wants us to understand is that the sacred and the secular can't be separated in us, speaking of our work, the things that we do. 1 John 4 verse 20 says this, If anyone says, I, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God 
whom he has not seen. And there is a strong theme running throughout the writings of John that deals with how we treat one another. That we should not be able to separate our love of God with our love for people created in the image of God. Which causes us to ask this question then, what if you were as close to God as the person on earth you like the least? It's an interesting question, isn't it? So think about who you like the least. Maybe it's Vladimir Putin. Maybe Scott Morrison, Amber Heard, Justin Bieber. Maybe it's all those leftist, woke people that are non-binary, vegan, kind of all those kind of people that we can lump together. Maybe it's your dad. Maybe it's yourself. Who do you like the least? Whoever you can't stand the most could be affecting your relationship with God. Now, I'm not saying that you have to agree with everybody. I'm not saying that you have to be BFFs with everybody and, uh, you know, get little friendship bracelets and make daisy chains and skip along down through the fields. Some people, yes, are best loved from a distance. Some people can only be loved with boundaries in place. But we can't just, just as we can't separate Jesus' humanity from his divinity, so we can't separate the sacred and the secular in us. That you are not just a Christian from 10 to 11.30 a.m. on a Sunday morning. That you can't separate your Christianity from 9 a.m. on a Monday morning before you've had your coffee. John 6 says this, Don't work for food that spoils. Work for food that gives eternal life. The Son of Man will give you this food because God the Father has given him the right to do so. Now, of course, there is a huge separation an uncrossable chasm even between the sacred and the secular. For the non-Christian, nothing is sacred. We see that in the media. We see that in what the world finds funny and entertaining. We see that in the fact that Pornography is an industry that generates $97 billion a year. Nothing is sacred to the non-Christian. 
So we shouldn't be surprised. We shouldn't complain. We shouldn't do whatever the fact that this stuff is going on in our world. But for the Christian, nothing is secular. Everything should be sacred. So as Christians, we are not anti-sex. We do not have a low view of sex. We have a high view of sex because sex becomes sacred. Marriage becomes sacred. What happens at your dinner table becomes as sacred as what takes place on this platform or what took place in that tent of meeting. And some of you are thinking, Pastor Josh, you don't know what goes on at our dinner table. It's far from sacred. And maybe it has been. But maybe that's what Jesus came to change. Maybe that's what Jesus came to infect, that while we try to separate those things and say, this is my God time and this is the rest of my time, that God actually wants to bring those broken pieces together. It's the same for our work. You do not have a non-Christian job. It tells us in that passage, you can work for food that spoils. You can. You can work to live. Or you can live to work. And some of you are thinking, why would I, I hate my, like my, I work to live. If I didn't have to, if I didn't have to make money and, and do that stuff, you know, there is no way that I would go to work. I do work to, to live. That's the only reason I go to work. But again, maybe it's just your view of your work and what you're doing. I've got a video if we can play that. I'm not recruiting you for the army, but this was an ad that the army uh, put up to try and recruit people. I love that idea, the start of that ad, the start of that clip where they're kind of showing their normal clothes and then underneath they've got this army uniform on. That this is actually the way that we should view our lives, that we should view our Christian work. And I say Christian work because all work is Christian. You're not just a teacher. You're bringing the light and love of God into your classroom. You're not just a mum, a stay-at-home mum. You're bringing the light and love of God to that kitchen table. That although we wear these normal clothes, that underneath everything we are children of God. That everything that we do is spiritual. 
underneath your clothes, you wear Christ. You are Christ's ambassador to the world. You are in Christ's army. And that can't be separated from you. Wherever you go, whatever you do, you wear that underneath everything that you do. I think one of the biggest negatives that COVID brought to our world was the separation of people. That people we saw as potential carriers, as threats. That we were told to isolate in order to survive and to isolate in order to protect. And so we turned our lights off to other people at the time of greatest darkness. Yes, there is more division and hatred in the world. So yes, you are going to be met with more rejection. But also, you're going to be met with more need. And I know, as I said before, that one of our biggest fears is rejection. So why would I share the love of God to my friends and family who are just going to reject me? I, if fear of rejection is one of my biggest things, and Josh, you're saying it's more likely now that I'm going to be rejected because of this division, this separation that has taken place among people through COVID, then why would I do it? Because if we know that we have first been accepted by the light and love of Christ in a way that is not linked to our performance and that he will never stop loving us and that because Christ was rejected on the cross, we eternal acceptance from God should make it okay to be temporarily rejected by people. people who need it now more than ever. Many of you would be aware that a few months ago now, Compass, the TV program, came and filmed some of uh, you know, our service and what takes place here. And that show was aired uh, last Sunday and it's airing again tonight, 6.30, you can see it on, on iView. And uh, the part about us, the, the, the third of the program that was about us is, is pretty good, but the other two-thirds is basically you know, speaking negatively about the church. And although they promised me that that wasn't going to happen, part of me kind of suspected that it, that it might. And so we could have just shut our door and it would have made things a lot easier. This week, I've already received hate mail coming from people that have watched that program and just like, yeah, Pentecostal churches, they suck. Pentecostal churches, all they want is your money. Like, yeah, we hate Pentecostal churches. Anyway, you're a Pentecostal pastor, we hate you. So yeah, you, when you stick out, 
the nail that sticks out gets hammered sometimes. But I've also received emails from people that say, oh, I, I saw your story. Like, I saw this thing. Like, it's changed my life. I heard, I heard Michaela playing that song and on the TV and, like, and I've, just, I've just wanted to listen to that song over and over again. I've just wanted to let it wash over me. So can I encourage you, are you going to get, if you share your faith, if you let your light shine, if you come with the love of God, are you going to be rejected? Yes, you are. But is there a chance that someone may hear this life-changing message of hope that can only come through Jesus Christ? Yes, there is a chance. And is that chance worth it? Yes, it is. But it shouldn't even be a question because it should be unseparated in us. We can't be separated from... We can't separate the sacred and the secular within us. We can't say, I'll be a Christian at this time when I'm sitting in church and everyone agrees with me. But then when I go out into the world and there's all this hatred, then I'm going to separate myself from that. No, we can't. It's, we're unseparated from that. So once we've realized that we can't separate Jesus' humanity from his divinity and we've made sense of the word and the world. And once we've realized that we can't separate the sacred from the secular in our life and made sense of our work and our relationships, then finally, we need to see that when it comes to our worship of God, that we can't separate the word from deed. 1 John 3, 17 to 18 says, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet unseparated in him. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Do you have the world's goods? Yeah, you do. We often don't think that we're rich or wealthy, we do have a lot. Even just on Thursday night, Walter, who was up here before wearing the, the blue jumper, he was here. He wasn't on the clock. He wasn't doing anything spiritual. He was just eating his dinner here in the warm because he lives in a shed. And a knock came on the door. There was a, a lady there out in the cold wearing just a, a tank top and she came in and she said, oh, this is a, this is a church, I, I need some food, I need some warm clothes. And so Walter was able to bring her in and give her some food. But he kind of said, well, but I don't have... We don't have any warm clothes here. Like, this is a church, but we don't, like, store that stuff here. So the lady said, what about the jumper you're wearing? So he took his 
jump her off and he gave it to her. So that's why this morning he's wearing a blue jumper. So if you want to go up to Walter, he's that kind of guy that he'll give you his jumper. But if you ask for his jumper today, that means you have to join the kids' team because that's a kids' jumper. (laughs) But that's the kind of unseparated life that we need to live when it comes to our worship. Didn't happen at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning But Walter showed the light and love of Christ to that lady. Churches either tend to focus on preaching the word and do nothing to practically help the community that they are a part of, or they tend to get totally focused on the deed and the helps component and they neglect the preaching of the word. One becomes self-seeking and self-focused and makes no sense to the community that it exists within because of that separation. The other has no power and no eternal direction, and so makes no sense to the God who died to establish it. Whilst we have endeavoured to do both, by making our preaching of the word applicable to life and providing counselling services and doing different programs like you saw this morning, like Samaritan's Purse um, and Operation Christmas Child. We help people with marriage issues and addictions. I do feel as though there is more that we can do on this deed side to provide more practical help to the people of our community. And yes, we do strive, as many of you know, to give 10% of the income that we get into both local and overseas missions, which is great. But what if we could double that? What if we could provide better practical helps through counselling and through things like our VIP team, through training of more pastors to provide more counselling and more help? What if we could love on our local children through our Life Kids program with our buses and our food programs, and we could expand all of that. But on top of that, what if we could give 25% of our income away? Now, we're not there yet. After giving away a lot of money and people towards the the planting of Mount Barker to bring light and love to that community where there wasn't. We are broke and so are they because we've still been financially supporting them up until this point. But we do have a church that is open, that is operating right now. And we have a cafe that is there that is operating right now. And last week, not sure about the numbers today, but last week we had 62 people in attendance in the Mount Barker congregation. And so we're hoping with that, that in the next two to three weeks, that they will be financially set up enough to become independent so that again, we can focus back on, again, expanding out, doing 
good deeds within the community, setting up more communities of light and love. As we look to things like Gifford Hill, as we look to things like the canopy and building that. Because even last week, thank you to all of those that brought your cars along and did that stuff. And again, that can seem like it was totally separated from a spiritual thing, bringing a car along. But five people that were just walking along the street saw what was happening outside and walked in and was able to have a conversation, some with Mark, some with myself, and maybe there was more that I didn't get to see or or speak to, but because we had something that was operating outside. And having the canopy for me, building that outdoor area, is going to open the doors because there won't be any doors on the canopy in a new and radical way to our community. So yes, we need the preaching of the word. But that should never be separated, as John said, from good deeds. We don't do good deeds in order to get into heaven. But once the word has come Alive, once it has dwelt within our hearts, we cannot be separated from doing good deeds whenever we see them. So do we as a church have some work to do? Yes. But I pray that we won't see that work as a weight, but as an awesome opportunity to bring light and love to those who need it most as we allow Jesus to bring together all those broken and separated people, uh, separated pieces in me and in you. Would you stand as we pray? Father God, we just want to thank you for your son, Jesus. We want to thank you that he is not separated from us, that he is not distant from us. That as John said, that you wanted to come and dwell among us, set up your tent in our midst, that you are right here with us right now in this place not far from anyone Father we've spent too much of our lives trying to separate things trying to separate ourselves from our sin trying to separate the light from the dark trying to trying to present this image of who we know we should be while all the time inwardly knowing that nothing's changed. But Father, I pray that that day of keeping everything separate comes to an end for many today. That we would allow you to come, that we would no longer fear the light, 
but we would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the light comes with the love. It cannot be separated from it. Just as we cannot be separated from you and you from us. So Father, we invite you in. Come and have your way. Come and do what only you can do. Come and allow us to let your light shine in our works, in our schools, in our homes, in our reading of the word, in the deeds that we do, in everything. Lord, come and be that light and that love that we need and that a broken, dying, hurting world needs now more than ever. Father, we thank you that you made a way for us to be so close that an unholy people through Christ could be joined to a holy and righteous God unseparated for all eternity. Not because of the good works that we do, but Lord, because of the good work that you did upon that cross. Lord, give us a revelation of this, I pray in Jesus' name. Let's worship this God who came to dwell with us, who is in this place today. Lead us, Michaela. Thank you for joining us for our Lifehouse Sunday service. We hope that you enjoyed the message. If you wish to respond today, please go to life.house and click on My Response. There you can share a prayer request or let our team know that you made a decision to follow Jesus. We love that you're online with us, but we really want to see you here with us in person in the flesh, 10 a.m. every Sunday morning. Can't wait to see you.